What is up? Welcome back. My name is Noah. Find me on Twitter at Noah More Parties. Today's video is a Q&A, AMA, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm answering questions from the YouTube comments from my previous videos. I get a lot of questions, so I'm going to answer them here. I have nine of them. Let's get into it. <laughs> Question number one is from, I'm going to absolutely butcher this name, Asaye Brownwest, and Mr. Brownwest, or Miss Brownwest, Person Brownwest says, curious as to what, if anything, differed from Kennedy Brooks to Ramondre Stevenson in your model. From a regular outsider's perspective, they're both fat running backs who don't catch passes from OU. Okay, Kennedy Brooks and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, first of all, I don't think Kennedy Brooks would... I don't, I don't think I would classify him as a fat running back. He came into the combine at 5'11", 209, which is fairly tall and skinny. Ramondre Stevenson probably isn't fat either, but I, like, I get your point. Um, he's a big, big dude. He's like 5'11", you know, 230, so he's a, he's a big, stout guy. Kennedy Brooks, on the other hand, is undersized for a running back as far as weight goes but he's not undersized as far as height goes. So he's both small and thin, um, which is not exactly what you want to see. But I think these guys are similar runners in college. They both averaged 0.31 missed tackles forced per attempt. They both had a 38% breakaway conversion rate. So they were like breaking tackles at a similar rate, converting long runs at a similar rate. So like stylistically, they're not too far off despite being very different like differently shaped players. But Ramondre was just more efficient at OU than Kennedy Brooks was. Kennedy Brooks's yards per carry um, relative to the, to the other guys in the team, 0.96 plus, Ramondre 1.23. Um, their chunk rates relative to, to the other guys in the team. Kennedy Brooks, 2.4%. Ramondre, 6.5%. And that was done while Kennedy Brooks saw lighter box counts than the other guys at OU, and Ramondre Stevenson saw significantly heavier box counts than the other guys on the team. And neither of them are great athletes. Kennedy Brooks has an explosiveness advantage and a speed advantage probably, where Ramondre has an agility advantage according to like combine testing. However, I know that Ramondre Stevenson ran a 4.69 at the combine. His 10-yard split, which which is that first 10 yards, like very like technique dependent time there. His first 10 yards was like a fifth percentile 10 yard split. His last 20 yards, which is really, you know, like the peak speed part of the 40 yard dash, his flying 20 is what they call it, was in the 56th percentile. So he actually has above average speed if you ignore the first part of the combine that's like very dependent on technique. So he can actually like get up and move, but neither of them are great athletes. I also think Ramondre is a better receiver. Kennedy Brooks's target share, his best target share at OU was 3.8%. Ramondre had a 12.7% target share, which is in the 80th percentile. Kennedy Brooks averaged 5.6 yards per target in college. Ramondre Stevenson averaged 8.4. And Ramondre was more productive. Kennedy Brooks's best dominator rating at OU, 21.9%. Ramondre had 26% his final season at Oklahoma. And we saw Ramondre Stevenson back at, I don't know if it was JUCO or just like an FCS team, but Cerritos College. He posted a 39% dominator rating, which is right there with like Chase Edmonds, Alvin Kamara, their kind of best seasons at the non-FBS level. So we've seen Ramondre Stevenson be a really good producer before, not at OU, but previously. And then he was a better producer at OU than Kennedy Brooks was. He's a better receiver, was used more as a receiver, was a more efficient runner, despite seeing heavier box counts. And they're pretty equivalent athletes. Ramondre's just bigger. So I think I 
definitely prefer Ramondre just as like a pure talent coming out as prospects. Question number two is from, I don't know how to say this one either, Dat Lee, D-A-T-L-E. Dat asks, do you further account for strength of schedule a running back faces during his collegiate career after looking at the overall S&P Plus ranking of their team? I think S&P Plus has rush defense statistics, so was curious if you had experimented with those. The answer to this question is no. Um, I've thought about it, and if I were comparing raw yards per carry, let's say if I was comparing like Brees Hall averaged, I don't know, six yards per carry, and Kenneth Walker averaged seven yards per carry, if I wasn't comparing them to their teammates, I think a a dive into like the strength of the rushing defenses they were facing would make sense. But since I'm comparing them using comparisons between them and their teammates, the context of the defenses they were playing is already built in to what they were doing relative to their teammates, given that Brees Hall and the other guys at Iowa State were all playing against the same defenses. So the answer to that question is no, because I think I'm already kind of filtering for that, given the way I'm doing my analysis. Question number three from Miguel Eduardo Urdiales Diaz. Thoughts on Ty Chandler and Pierre Strong as deep sleepers? Ty Chandler came into the combine at 5'11", 204, which is tall, very skinny. Um, that's very small for that height. And if you're that small and that like, and you're built like that proportionally like a stick, you need to be a good pass catcher. There just are not many examples of guys like that who are successful in the NFL and don't catch passes. Like the best players to that size are like Reggie Bush, Theo Riddick, Deion Lewis, Austin Eckler, proportionally built like that, all small guys. All of them catch the ball well. Is Ty Chandler a good pass catcher? I'm not so sure. His best target share in college, 9%, 49th percentile. He was used relatively dynamically, um, 10% split out wider in the slot, which is in the 60th percentile. Average depth of target, 1.2 yards downfield, which is in the 71st percentile. And he averaged 7.4 yards per target, which is in the 69th percentile. So I think he's a quality receiver. I don't know that he's that good. Like, I don't think he's like an Austin Eckler level receiver. And he wasn't very good, like, as a rusher of the football. Um, his box adjusted efficiency rating only in the 45th percentile. Relative success rate, 39th percentile. And that's relative to teammates who averaged 2.83 stars as high school recruits, so not very talented teammates, and he was not outdoing them to any impressive degree. And he's not a tackle breaker, um, 0.18 missed tackles forced per attempt, that's a 20th percentile number, not a big play guy, um, 31% breakaway conversion rate, that's in the 49th percentile. Like, it's, it's cool that he's fast, he was obviously very fast at the combine, but... I don't know that he was that effective of a player ever, and he's the oldest running back in this class. He turns 24 in May. He was never that productive, fifth-year guy. He's athletic, or I don't even know that he's athletic. He's fast, but I think that's kind of the only real major positive on his profile. He's a decent receiver and is fast. That's about it. Um, Pierre Strong, though, he's also tall and relatively skinny. He's 5'11", 207, and he's a guy that, like, didn't initially pop for me. It's kind of tough to evaluate these guys that didn't go to FBS programs just because the data available to, like, evaluate them is much more limited than for a lot of these guys. Like, I don't have box count data for Pierre Strong. And even other than that, like, his some of his numbers didn't really catch my eye and, like, make me want to dive deeper. He averaged 1.07 yards per carry more than the other guys at South Dakota State, which is a 72nd percentile number. He had a 13% target share, that's 80th percentile, but like yards per reception only in the 41st percentile, and that 72nd percentile yards per carry plus is relative to teammates who like weren't good enough to play like D1, so like how much do I really value that? And then like production-wise, he wasn't that good. He redshirted at an FCS school, which isn't a good look. Stayed for five years. His best season was in the 60th percentile at a small school, 
in his fifth season. Like, I just don't really know how good that is. But he's super athletic. He ran 4.37. That's obviously blazing. He had a 71st percentile burst score based on his performance in the jumps. And those numbers kind of like brought him to my attention really. Like I was aware of him before, but not really interested. And I'm kind of a little bit more intrigued now. Have to do a little bit more thinking about him just in general, but I'm not super excited. I think definitely not as much as a lot of people are. So the next question is from Eric Hove, I think is how you say it. Eric asked, thoughts on Keontae Ingram? Based on your article, I was thinking he'd be near the top half of your list. Yeah, I wrote an article on Keontae Ingram over at Breakout Finder. I assume the list Eric's talking about here is my top 10 running backs list, which Keontae Ingram was not on pre-combine, but I think I'm back in. I've been into Keontae Ingram. I talked about him a little bit on the uh, like post-combine reaction comps video from, what was that, last week or whatever. I wasn't really in on Keontae Ingram given that he was six foot and 210 pounds at the Senior Bowl, but he came into the combine at 221 which is much better. I, I don't want my running backs to be six foot 210. At six foot 220, you're like well built like a workhorse running back. And he is a decent athlete. He ran four, five, three in the 40, which is solid. 52nd percentile burst score. So like checking boxes, like, you know, at least average there. And I think he's a three down back. Um, I recently looked into true catch rate. So basically catch rate just on catchable targets because some dude hopped in my mentions on Twitter about like Kenneth Walker's quarterback sucking and that's why he doesn't catch the ball. Kenneth Walker does look better on true catch rate, but he's still like bottom third of the class really. So, but Keontae Ingram, true catch rate, 97%, top three in the class. So that's really nice. He can catch the ball. His satellite score is in the 77th percentile, which kind of contextualizes his receiving involvement for his overall role in the offense. So while his target share isn't incredibly impressive, his dominator rating wasn't super high. And so for him to have as high of a target share as he did, given his overall role, was pretty impressive. So that's good. And he was split out wide 12% of the time. That's 68th percentile. So he was like moved around the formation, um, used dynamically as a receiver. And he is a pretty good runner as well. Um, he's a tackle breaker. He averaged 0.23 missed tackles forced per attempt, 61st percentile. And then relative to running backs who are really good, the running backs he played with at Texas and at USC, based on a weighted average, came out of high school averaging 3.86 stars as high school recruits. That's a 78th percentile number and he averaged a yard per carry more than them 72nd percentile and while his box adjusted efficiency rating was only 32nd percentile he was more efficient than those guys relative to box counts but not by much but I think a large portion of that is that he's not a big play runner he only converted 23% of his 10 yard runs into 20 yard runs which is a 17th percentile like breakaway conversion rate so like okay sure he's not a big play guy he's not going to create like all these long runs he's not gonna rip off 80 yard touchdowns got it but he's good despite that like ignoring that he's good his relative success rate which just looks at like how often is he getting the requisite amount of yards given down in distance 62nd percentile three percent higher than his teammates so while his overall team relative efficiency numbers suffer because he's not a big play guy if you just isolate it to like okay how often is he succeeding relative to his teammates he looks really nice relative to really good teammates and he's breaking a high amount of tackles. Given that he was 220 and I've kind of like given another look at him, I think I'm back in on him. He's probably going to be, if not top five, like right out of my top five post-combine running back ranks. So I like Keonta Ingram. Next question is from Avocado Jones. Excellent name. My man Avocado asks, do rookie running backs on average gain or lose more weight in their first year on NFL teams? This is an excellent question and I don't know the answer. One thing that I've enjoyed doing is going through and compiling yearly 
like listed heights and weights for these college running backs, which allows me to like make predictions based on weight gain patterns and things like that. It's nice to see like, okay, a guy's listed at 205. He's only in his second year in college. That's not what we wanted to be in the NFL, but like, how does that compare to other second year guys in college? It would be nice to do that for NFL players as well, which would also allow us to see like, okay, this guy weighed in here at the combine, but he actually plays at this. There's, there's a lot of different things you could do with that. Those sort of like weight gain patterns and like yearly kind of checkpoints, but As far as I can tell, those things aren't kept track of anywhere. On team websites, I really only see, like, the current year. I can't go back to, like, 2016 and see what, you know, whoever the fuck was the running back for the Patriots in 2016. I can't see what he weighed. Um, I can see what he weighs now. And then things like Pro Football Reference only have, like, one listed weight. So I honestly just don't know. I wish I knew. I don't. Next question, my guy Chimichanga asks, (laughs) Curious why you might think Kenny Gainwell didn't see a ton of playing time this year for the Eagles, especially over guys like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Was it simply because he was a rookie or did it have to do with his blocking ability? Because he was really efficient with the touches he did get. Yes, Kenny Gainwell was efficient, especially on a per-touch basis, but that's mostly because most of his touches were receptions, and receptions are just naturally, generally more you get more yards out of a reception than you would out of a rushing attempt. But relative to his teammates, Kenny Gainwell was really, really bad on the ground. His yards per carry plus negative 0.5, which is a 21st percentile mark. He did that while facing box counts that were significantly lighter than the other guys on the team saw. Box adjusted efficiency, 84%, not very good. Negative 2.6% relative success rate. I can't really speak much to his ability as a blocker. I don't remember what people were saying about that when he was coming out last year. I mean, he's like not a very big dude. He only played one year at Memphis really, and he touched the ball a lot, so I don't even know that he was asked to block a ton, but really, I just can't, I I don't know much about his ability to block. His counting stats were solid, 544 yards, six touchdowns, he saw 50 targets, his target share was 11%, which is 89th percentile, so he wasn't really playing that much. His, like, targets per snap, targets per route run were incredibly high, so when he was on the field, he was getting the ball, which you like to see, but we'd like to see him play more and play better when he is playing, so... I loved Kenny Gainwell coming out. I still think he's a really talented player. He's one of the best, like, combinations of, like, receiving weapon, rushing efficiency we've seen come out of college football in really a long time. And I remember the conversation last year when he was coming out was like, okay, he's just too small. He can't really do it. He ran like a 4-5. Speed score's not high enough for a guy that small. And I think... We've seen with like Austin Eckler, Jamal Charles, like Christian McCaffrey, Giovanni Bernard, like these small guys who are three down weapons, they get work in the NFL. And I think Kenny Gainwell is one of those guys. I think I'll zoom out on this season and look at his college profile and he was really nice in college. And I think he showed enough in like commanding targets on a small snap share, a relatively small snap share that I'm still in on Kenny Gainwell. Boston Scott, Jordan Howard are both free agents. I don't think Miles Sanders is that good. He was efficient this last year, but that will be really the first time in his career that he will have been efficient. He's kind of always been disappointing relative to expectations. I've never really been in on him. And so I'm I'm in on Kenny Gainwell still as like a guy I'm, I'm trying to acquire in Dynasty. I think there's a chance he blows up. He's a really good zero RB target for like redraft this year. He wasn't efficient last year. I'm not giving up. I'm still in on Kenny Gainwell. And then the next question is from our guy, Mark, M-A-R-C. <laughs> he says, I think it'd be interesting to see what your process would have told you about the legendary 2017 running back class. My process would have told me that the 2017 running back class is the best running back class we've seen in the last maybe 
two decades. Like 2008 was really good with like Matt Forte, Jamal Charles, Jonathan Stewart, uh, Darren McFadden, although he was overrated that year, Richard Mendenhall. There were a lot of good guys back in 2008. 2017 was probably better. And it was like, okay, so I'll kind of put it into context. Like Rashad White was my RB4 in this class pre-combine. Not sure where he falls post-combine, maybe RB2. I don't know. He's still in my easily in my top like three or four running backs in this class. He would have been my RB12, like pre-draft in 2017. Kind of how it would have shaken out for me. Christian McCaffrey at the top, Joe Mixon next. And then just based on like pure evaluations, I would have had like Jeremy McNichols, Marlon Mack, and Aaron Jones next. Looking back, obviously like that Jeremy McNichols take did not age well, but fuck it, I would do it again. Um, I wasn't evaluating players then, but like in hindsight, that's the way they would have shaken out per my process. But I've kind of touched on in a few of these videos, like the Jeremy McNichols corollary with how the shape of, of rushing efficiency profiles kind of might indicate that they're fool's gold. And Jeremy McNichols was the first guy that kind of like struck me that way, where like fueled by long runs, not very consistent. And so despite having a seemingly good profile, I think at like at this point, like if Jeremy McNichols were to come out today, I think I would still be in on him, but probably lower than my process indicates because he looks riskier than on the surface level. But Jeremy McNichols, Marlon Mack, who I think is probably still underrated. I know he's been hurt and got overtaken by like a better player in Jonathan Taylor, but he's a starting quality running back on a lot of teams in the NFL. And then Aaron Jones it would have been my RB5. Obviously, you know, I would have been higher than consensus on him, and that turned out well. And then Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Deontay Foreman, Austin Eckler would have been my RB10 just based on talent. And then Kareem Hunt is my RB11. So those 11 guys would have looked like RB1, RB2 level fantasy guys in that class, and we would have had like 10 plus of them coming into the league at one time. Based on kind of like hit rates and based on like draft position and stuff, probably my my rookie draft rankings like post NFL draft would have been like CMC, Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, McNichols, Mac, Jones would have been taking shots on those guys in the middle of rookie drafts and then Kamara, Foreman, Hunt. And Eckler wasn't even drafted in rookie drafts back then, but he was a guy who like popped according to my process and I would have been firing away at Austin Eckler in like the fourth round of rookie drafts. So I liked all of those guys kind of filtering through them given that they're all so good or that they all looked so good would have been kind of difficult. Like Jeremy McNichols over Alvin Kamara wouldn't have been the right move, but in a vacuum, I, I would have thought that all of those players were were really, really good. I would have been in on all of them trying to acquire like lots of picks to just fire away at those running backs. Next question is from Patrick Donahue. And he asks, I'm holding the 101 and the 103. After Brees Hall at one, who are you trying to take at 103? Walker, Harris, a wide receiver. Um, I would not be taking Kevin Harris at 103. Yeah, he was my RB2 pre-combine. I haven't thought about it much, but with Kenneth Walker weighing in above 210, Rashad White kind of blazing at the combine, coming in at 214, that might shuffle around a little bit. I don't think Kevin Harris would drop past RB4, but you're not going to need to take him at 103. That would be a mistake. Um, I actually just hopped in a uh, sleeper rookie mock with Nick, and when I hopped into the mock, I had the choice of taking the 103 or the 105 in a super flex mock, and I didn't want the 103 because I think that's a there's like a tier right there, and I'd rather have the back end of the tier than having to choose a guy in that cluster. But that tier is like Malik Willis, who I I think is a high upside pick. He's going to be, you know, a good fantasy quarterback given that he can run. And then the wide receivers like Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, who I don't know a ton about. I know people like all three of them. 
Chris Olave is going to be up there a little bit. He's probably more of a late round or a late first round guy, but those three running backs and then Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller are going to be the guys in that like 103 to 106 range. And I don't really want the 103 for that reason. Like I'd rather trade back, but if I absolutely had to make a pick, assuming it's Brees Hall, I'm going either Burks or Willis probably, whoever's left. And then if it's non-super flex and Willis isn't really an option and it's Brees Hall and then Burks, I might just go Kenneth Walker probably. I don't, I'm not as familiar with the wide receivers. I don't see a consensus between like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, sometimes even Burks is the wide receiver three there. So I'd probably just go Kenneth Walker, take the running back, assuming he gets solid draft capital and is locked into a good role. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking at this point. And then the final question is from Casey Gerzuski. Casey asks, awesome, can you do wide receiver next? And the answer to that question is no, I cannot. I could, but I likely will not, at least for a a long time. It's taken me literally, I was thinking about this the other day, like literally thousands of hours to like compile all the data I have. And I've just put more thought into the running back position than probably anything else in my life in the last couple of years. And it's the reason why like, I don't know, people think my insights are like valuable and why I think I understand what I'm doing pretty well. And if I was splitting my time between like tight end, quarterback, receiver, running back, like I would be decent at everything or like mediocre at everything and not good at any one thing. But the reason I'm good is because I've focused on running back to an extreme level. And even if I wanted to go, you know, evaluate wide receivers, which maybe I do at one point, like it's going to take me a long time to get to the point where like my insights with wide receiver are as insightful, I guess, as they are for running back. Like it, there are, there's a lot of people doing good work with wide receiver and understand the position. I, I know that that's valuable and it's just, that's not something I offer at this point. So you can get that from somebody else. Like um, people do different things and that's just not what I'm focused on. So that was the Q&A. Solid questions. Thanks for shooting them my way. At this point, I, I don't remember, or maybe I haven't decided what my next video will be, but I appreciate you guys checking it out. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Got good stuff coming pretty much every day over here at BDGE. Peace.